We would like to acknowledge the Ghana people and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge their spiritual connection to the land on which this podcast is recorded. As part of the oldest living culture in the world, we draw inspiration from their deep knowledge of traditional foods, medicine and remedies. From the Central Adelaide Local Health Network, this is Research Pulse, where we discuss the latest world-class health research from Carlin and how it's contributing to world-class care. This week is National Stroke Week. So, in this episode of Research Pulse, we're focusing on leading innovations in stroke research. Our guest is Professor Tim Kleinig, Head of the Stroke Unit at the Royal Adelaide Hospital and also Clinical Professor at Adelaide Medical School, University of Adelaide. Tim, thanks for your time. Pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Tim, first off, how big an issue is stroke in terms of the number of people that are affected by them? Uh, Strokes is a huge issue, uh, both in Australia and and worldwide, the biggest cause of of acquired disability in life in our community. And depending on how you rank it, the first, second or third leading cause of death in various parts of the world. About one in four people in the world will have a stroke at some stage in their life, and it's about one in five in Australia. So it is an enormous issue. A very significant issue. You've been focusing on research into it. Before we get into the details of that, can you bring us up to speed about the two different types of stroke? The first and most common cause of stroke is an ischemic stroke. That's where an artery in the brain blocks, either because there's a problem with that artery in the the brain or because a clot forms in the heart or in, in the blood vessels coming out of the heart towards the brain and flies downstream and lodges in a smaller artery. That part of the brain is then deprived of of oxygen and nutrients, and if blood flow is not restored, it dies over the period of several hours. So that's about 85% of stroke in Australia. The second most common stroke is intracerebral hemorrhage or bleeding within the brain, and that's when a blood vessel within the brain bursts usually because of weakness of that blood vessel, often associated with high blood pressure or heavy alcohol intake or smoking or age. And that stroke, although it is less common than ischemic stroke, accounting for about 10 to 15% in Australia, is severely disabling in many cases and fatal in many cases. And so even though it's a less common cause of stroke, it actually accounts for more death and disability worldwide than ischemic stroke because of its devastating nature. Tim, you are focusing on this type of stroke. You're running a large multi-centre clinical trial that consists of ultra-early, minimally invasive surgery to treat intracerebral haemorrhage. Can you tell us about the trial? I understand it's called the EVACUATE trial. Every trial needs a good acronym, and so we worked hard to try and come up with one. The reference is to evacuating the clot from the brain, but also the emergent nature of, of the problem. Intracerebral hemorrhage accounts for such a large proportion of death and disability partly because of the devastating nature of the condition itself, but partly because we don't really have any effective treatments for it. The last decade has shown a whole range of treatments for ischemic stroke using clot dissolving medications and clot removal techniques to unblock the arteries and resupply the brain with oxygen and nutrients. We've seen an enormous shift in those patients who've come in with the most severe sorts of stroke 
not infrequently these patients who would die or end up in nursing homes or walk out of hospital within a couple of days. And so that, that's really been a revolution in ischemic stroke care. But intracerebral haemorrhage has not seen any substantial shifts in treatment-related death and disability. And so that's why that's been the focus of the next stage of our attention um, as a stroke research group in Australia. The reason why intracerebral haemorrhage is so devastating is because it's like a bomb goes off in the brain. So with an ischemic stroke, it's more like a famine. That starvation of oxygen and nutrients is not complete. Some parts of the brain survive, some parts of the brain die. But with an intracerebral haemorrhage, the bleeding devastates the central region where the bleeding occurs and that can expand over time, over several hours. And then the products of blood in the brain are extremely toxic to the brain. So thrombin, one of the clotting chemicals, and iron, which is contained in red blood cells, are both themselves really destructive to brain tissue if you inject them directly into brain tissue, irrespective of the mechanical damage that's done by the haemorrhage. So we think if we can get in early enough in a non-invasive way using a, a small sort of microscope or telescope-like structure, a bit like keyhole surgery for gallbladder surgery, that we can avoid damaging the healthy tissue and suck out the clot as quickly as possible to prevent thrombin and iron causing more damage, but also to stop the bleeding from getting any worse because you're looking at the cavity of the clot once you've removed it under direct visualisation, you can identify the bleeding arteries and cauterise them or with irrigation or with pressure stop the bleeding from those vessels. I'm not the person actually doing the surgery. Uh, Associate Professor Amal Abbey Hamden is the lead neurosurgeon in Adelaide on the study and we have colleagues at the Royal Melbourne Hospital, John Laidlaw and Professor Bruce Campbell who's a very eminent stroke researcher. But Amal is now extremely adept in this technique and I think the most recent surgery she was in and out of the brain in about 15 minutes removing the clot and stopping the bleeding. So the device technology has evolved to the state that we can now do this routinely and easily. We get amazing visualisation of the brain tissue um, sort of magnified and illuminated uh, and so we think it's now within reach of neurosurgical units all the way around Australia and the world, not just specialised units. And so we hope with this trial to be able to show that removing the clot in this fashion actually leads to improved patient outcomes and improved survival. Tim, that's remarkable technology that's allowing you and your team to do that so quickly. You're in the middle of a study though, aren't you? How far are you through the study? Uh, so we completed our pilot study in 2020. We enrolled 10 patients in that and that was looking at the feasibility, efficacy and safety of this technique and that proved to be effective so we could get in there quick enough, remove the clot and prevent it from reaccumulating. But now we're in the randomised controlled phase of the study which is where patients get allocated like the toss of a coin to either standard care which is blood pressure lowering and stroke unit care and treatment of complications or ultra early surgery. That trial has two phases. The first phase is what's called a phase 2B study. That's again looking at our ability to remove the clot sufficiently, aiming for 50% of patients to get more than 70% removal of their clot at 24 hours without reaccumulation. 
and we're 34 patients in to that 52 patient initial phase. And assuming that that proves positive, which, which I strongly think that it will from our individual experience with cases, that will then roll on to the larger phase of between 240 and 434 patients. So quite a big study. It's more than we can just achieve from the Royal Melbourne and the Royal Adelaide. We need to involve other centres around the country. And so many of the leading stroke and neurosurgical units around the country are participating, as well as New Zealand uh, will also be helping out and we hope to be able to expand to some other centres um, in other countries such as Canada and the UK. Tim, it's remarkable work. If this trial is successful, how do you see it changing the clinical outcomes for sufferers of intracerebral haemorrhage in the future? If it's positive, it would become standard or routine care for patients with large haemorrhage. It would mean that we would have to change our stroke systems of care to make sure that everybody with that sort of brain bleeding can access surgery as soon as possible. We've seen the power of trial-derived evidence to change systems of care for ischemic stroke. Because of the strong evidence for treatments of unblocking arteries in ischemic stroke, patients are brought from anywhere around the country to the Royal Adelaide. We're the closest thrombectomy centre for Broken Hill and for Alice Springs and even Darwin, um, which doesn't have a, a neurointerventionalist. So essentially anyone anyone around the country with bleeding in the brain will need to come to a major stroke centre for this treatment. And I suspect if the trial is positive, the benefits seen in the trial would actually be magnified in clinical practice because this technique at the moment has to be squeezed in around other hospital work because it's unproven. In a trial situation, if you've got someone who's uh, has a, an ischemic stroke, for example, they get first dibs on the anaesthetist because it's a proven treatment as opposed to a, a trial treatment. But this technique, if it's beneficial, will be even more beneficial the faster it's done. And I could foresee in five or 10 years time, once CT technology manages to spread out into, into ambulances, there are stroke ambulances in Melbourne and soon to start in Sydney, that we'd identify these patients in the field, organise the operating theatre and take them straight through the emergency department up to the operating theatre to have this procedure. That's what I think might occur in, in five or ten years time if this trial is positive. That would be a remarkable change into the future and something to be rightly proud of. Tim, how important is it for the Royal Adelaide Hospital to be involved in a study like this? The direct benefit of taking part in any clinical research is that the unit taking part in that study has to practice at the peak of its game. It has to be doing all the standard treatments or all the proven treatments well before you add on something else on top of it. So there's what's called a sort of halo effect of participation in clinical trials that patients do better overall if they're enrolled in clinical trials and hospitals which have a research focus have better outcomes for their patients irrespective of whether or not the trial is positive just because of this halo effect of needing to be already implementing all of the proven treatments to, to the best of your ability. So I, I think clinical research as a whole is very important to the Royal Adelaide Hospital. In terms of this trial in particular, I think it's beneficial for the trainees coming through, the junior doctors, also important for patients. The patients uh, can have access to this treatment or the ability to participate in it and also recognise that they're being treated at a, at a world-class institution. I think it is inspirational for the junior doctors who hopefully will go on in whatever career they have to be able to try to always push the boundaries in, in terms of treatments and research to try and improve patient outcomes. 
Tim, fascinating and very important space that you're working in and has significant ramifications for treating this type of the stroke into the future. Professor Tim Kleinig, Head of the Stroke Unit at the Royal Adelaide Hospital, thank you for taking the time and joining us for this Research Pulse podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks again for inviting me. Thank you for listening to Research Pulse. For more episodes in this series, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your colleagues and friends. If you'd like to contact us, you can find an email address in this episode description. This podcast was developed by the Central Adelaide Local Health Network.